This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. 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 Let it bump, though. Esteemed, awesome times, awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, just fucking exquisite co-host Andy Bailey. Um, we hope you enjoyed your first weekend of NBA playoff basketball. We sh- we sure did. We think maybe possibly, but we are not here to talk about playoff basketball. We are going to rank the futures of every NBA lottery team while also delivering our final year and grades for them to complete that series as well before we get started as always i would like to ask remind and lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom we do it right too by offering up to 20 percent off select toilets during the final days of our refresh for less kitchen and bath event step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just 49 cents a square foot for your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Floor, beg, plead, demand maybe even of some of you to please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. Uh, if we could just see those ratings continue to go up, it would mean the world to us. So keep that in mind. Please take the 10 to 15 seconds out of your day and help make us happy when we see those little numbered reviews and ratings go up. And we appreciate the reviews too. Don't want to downplay those. Anyone who takes the time to write something, uh, hypothetical hugs and fist bumps to you. Also, you can still get 15% off at the MBA math shop. That's mbamathcom slash shop promo code Benno B E N O should be super easy to remember. And with that, we finally get to the question. Everyone is dying to know. Andy, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, like I told you before we started recording, I am. Looks like I'm bracing for maybe some snow in April. That's not okay, um, FYI. <laughs> I'm looking out my window now. It's just clouds everywhere, and at this time of year, it's not rain in this state. So <laughs> you said June. <laughs> Sometimes it snows where you are. Yeah, um, I, I think it's snowed probably in every calendar month in this state i don't know if i personally recall like uh july august snowstorms but i'm pretty sure that's on record somewhere this is the life i chose (laughs) well the other life you chose is mba expert so we need to hop into (laughs) that and start with grades and and ranking the futures of um 
the lottery teams. So uh, did, did you want to get us started with your first team? You want me to get us started? How do, how do you want to roll with this? Um, I can start us off. Do we want to go best to worst? I think worst to best would be, you know, let's, let's finish on a high note. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to have you start us off then. All right. So at number 14, I put the Charlotte Hornets and interesting yeah if for me it was i don't one i don't really know what the hell is going to happen with the charlotte hornets mitch kupchak new general manager president there i just curious to see not, not why michael jordan would have chosen him in the sense that oh why does mitch kupchak have the job but what kind of license does he have was he brought in because michael jordan wants to make the most of this core was he brought in under the guise that he can start over if he wants to is he going to get rid of Steve Clifford? Is he not going to get rid of Steve Clifford? We normally see these regime changes at some point, usually within the first year, end with a, with a new head coach. So I'm very interested to see what happens there. But you just look. No imminent cap space for them. No high-ceiling prospects. No desirable trade chips not named Kemba Walker. Unless you're into standing for Malik Monk or excited about the prospect of overpaying a 29-year-old Kemba Walker in 2019, the Hornets' future is not for you. And I, I, it, it's so weird to say that because I think Kemba Walker's a spectacular player. And the other thing that was crazy to me, did you know that the Charlotte Hornets at, what were they, 16, uh, 10 games under 500 this year. So 36 and 46 was their record. Sorry, I should have done um, their vitals before we got there. They were 13th in offensive rating, and they were also, um, in defensive rating, they were 16th. They were dead even in net rating, plus 0.0, which is incredible to say because they spent so much of the year drowning without Kemba Walker on the floor. So it says a great deal about how good he is and what they're able to do with him. It also shows that they were able to generate some offense a little bit better over the second half of the season. I think they had something like a a 109.8 offensive rating without him post-All-Star break. So when he was sitting, those are good things. But I want to know, you know, where's the sustainability and how can you build on top of this roster when you're not going to have cap space? And it's going to be hard to get cap space even after this summer because yes okay Dwight Howard's going to come off the books but you still are going to have Marvin Williams for another year Kid Gilchrist for another year Cody Zeller will have three years left on his deal Um, same story with Nicholas Batum and in 2019 you have to pay Kemba Walker who's going to cost you near max money I don't know where you go from here and to make matters worse and wrap this up which is my main concern for them is what do you do if you decide to trade Kemba Walker? He's now an expiring contract. You're probably not going to get a good prospect or pick haul for him. The most you can hope for is to lop off some of your less desirable salary. And since he's an expiring contract, and since some teams aren't going to want a part of his next contract, you're not going to be able to get rid of Nicholas Batum in a Kemba Walker trade at this point. So you're all of a sudden left with all this money on the books. And and so I'm just... Looking at their future, I'm lower on it than any other team on this list. I also gave them, for a poor card, a, a C-. minus. Probably could have gone a little bit higher, C+, plus, if you want to take into account that offensive turnaround. Again, I was shocked to see that uh, their point differential was dead even for the season. It was just something that—it was the same as the Clippers, by the way, who won 42 games and were contending for a playoff spot until basically the final week of the year. 
that all makes sense. Uh, after you break it down, I could kind of see why they are 14th for you. Uh, um, I have them 13th, so really not that far off. I'm not sure why I acted like I was surprised when you said they were 14th. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to have them at like 10th when you said that. <laughs> no. Um, and I think I'm, I probably approached this in a similar way that you did where um, – you know, obviously, this season's record doesn't have a huge bearing on future. It's it's these teams that are sort of stuck in limbo that are at the bottom of my rankings as well. And I think it's a pretty similar case for the Detroit Pistons, um, who have some nice pieces and they're you know they're a solid team right now. It's just that they're locked in to the Blake Griffin contract now. Um, Andre Drummond has a big contract too. And you just have all these different things kind of locking you into a certain team that you are with really no path to legitimacy. Um, This Pistons team, not only did it not make the playoffs this year, it's hard to see it. I mean, what's, what's the next step? Like what's the path to legitimacy for this team? And I think we can say the same thing about the Hornets. Um, and I gave both of those teams C minuses. That was sort of my bad grade today was a C minus. So, um, not only did they underachieve this season, I just, I just feel like they're stuck. And I think that's a word that we can use for a few teams right now. Whereas if you're one of those teams that were a part of the great tank race of 2018, at least you have something to look forward to. So I have Pistons 14, Hornets 13, and I don't have anything to add, um, to what you said about the Hornets, so we can just jump into your number 13. Um, so what, yeah, I didn't, I don't even have the Pistons at number 13, which, which might surprise you a little bit. So I'll save some of my thoughts on the Pistons. I have the Grizzlies at number 13. And for me, it's, I think you can easily talk yourself into a semi bright future for Memphis. If you basically say so much depends on who gets the pick. And right. that, that, that made this hard for me because I didn't really know what to do with a team like the Grizzlies, who were so clear, like all they cared about for three quarters of the season was getting that number one pick. So if they land that, it's like, well, maybe I have to move them up, you know? I mean, even if they get number two, they're right now, they're the second worst record in the NBA. And you could, yeah. match, you know, I, I would draft Luka Doncic with that pick. I draft him. I'm still in the donkish for the number one pick. I don't know if you sit on that. It'll be fun when we get into our draft day coverage like later as like the months go on and we're going to have some terrible, awful, no good takes. I'm still <laughs> I'm team Luka Donkic, even more so that – I don't know if you – really quick, if you read that piece by uh, Kimes Minute over Kimes. at, yeah, yeah, at ESPN and I saw that he uh, was into Friends and binge-watched How I Met Your Mother, I was like, this kid's going to be a superstar. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very, very much in on him. And that story was awesome, in case anyone hasn't read it yet. Yeah, you need to read it. It was spectacular for more than just those Friends anecdotes or the fact that he like bought them a, a handful of Snickers while they were on their way to <laughs> driving somewhere. Um, Somebody responded to her. I think it was whenever she tweeted it out, and he was like, all I took from this article is that he needs to eat better. <laughs> yeah, could you picture we're going to hear that NBA scouts concerned about Jokic's ability to <laughs> diet or something cuz we concerned hear... about the fact that his favorite restaurant is the Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> yeah. Um so <laughs> back to the Grizzlies. Um, yeah, sorry, it's sorry. Just, no, no, that was my t- trust me. It was my <laughs> tangent. 
so if you get, let's just say a top three pick, even top four pick, let's say they get bounced out of the top three, you can talk yourself into having, oh, wow, we have this top three, top five prospect, and now a healthy Mike Cunley and Marcus All, who they clearly have no intention of trying to get rid of. One, I, because I don't know who's trading for, for the Conley contract. I, I just don't know. Uh, two, even with Gasol kind of pouting with the whole David Fisdale situation, you got rid of David Fisdale. And you didn't trade Tyreek Evans. So let's assume that he's not going to abandon ship in free agency and you're ready to give him maybe it's the full mid-level exception, which would be a little bit more than $8 million. Um, I can't remember if it's 8.3 or 8.6 at this moment. But let's say that's enough to keep him, which it could be because this market's going to be um, skimpy. And then again, you have that pick. And even Dylan Brooks, who... I, when we were doing this exercise, he accounted uh, with his scoring and assists. He accounted for something like 24 or 22% of Memphis's entire offense this year. So, I mean, he's he's just someone you look at, and even Jarrell Martin. There were just some bright moments from these guys. Where are you going from there, though? Because if you spend what, the only tool you have to add free agents this summer on Tyreek Evans, who else are you getting? You're not going to have meaningful cap space until at least – 2020 at least and for me the, the other thing is there's no guarantee that the the conley gasol conley gasol foundation is going to mean anything we weren't sure if they were going to make the playoffs this year at full strength they looked like they were going to prove us wrong at the beginning and now you have gasol entering his age 34 season conley's going to be uh, 31 soon and is working off a year lost almost entirely to achilles issues and oh hey their 2019 pick is also owed to boston top eight protected there i just don't i i struggle i could you could talk yourself into hey maybe they're a really good team next season but we're looking at the futures here and maybe we should have said this qualifier at the beginning of the podcast we're just we're trying to look down the line and see which teams are going to be the best you know two three and four years and and set up that way as opposed to just maybe next season, and the Grizzlies can't even guarantee promising returns next season. All right, so you have – did you give a grade for the Grizzlies, by the way? I did not because I suck. I gave them a big, fat, sloppy D. Um, that was the one team I was tempted to go below uh, C- minus on this thing, but I ended up C minus was like the lowest grade I gave for this. The, the, um, the Tyreek um, Evans stuff was just inexcusable to me. The yeah, trade deadline. And you know, I was not happy with the way they handled the Fisdale situation either. Absolutely. And I, I, both of us have kind of ranted about that on earlier report card episodes. Um, so that was your 13. Um, my number 12 is another team that I feel like, like, is in limbo, and I actually gave them a C plus for this season because I feel like they overachieved, um, especially after the Blake Griffin trade. But I have the Clippers twelfth in these future rankings, and it's a lot of the same arguments that I made for the Pistons and you made for the Hornets. I I just don't see really where they go from here, and the young guys that they already have on the roster. Um, they had some nice finds, like Sundarius Thornwell was was good. Uh, he showed up on defensive metric leaderboards for rookies basically all season. Tyrone Wallace was good. Um, CJ Williams had some moments. Austin Rivers, I don't know if we can still call him a young guy, but he's, you know, no. for the last couple of years, he's been better than I expected. Um, but none of these guys are future stars. 
I, I think it's probably safe to assume that. Maybe that's not fair to cap a rookie's potential like Thornwell or, or Wallace, but they're not really young rookies either. And um, th- there's, there's no star potential there, at least not for me. So they don't really have anything in the works kind of behind DeAndre Jordan and uh, Patrick Beverly. And, and maybe they'll be scrappy again when they get Beverly back next season. And maybe Tia Dosich will be healthy the whole season. And they have some good players. And But basically, this every, every name I'm throwing out is sort of this concoction that gets you to mediocrity. And I just, uh, unless they sort of blow it up and, and try to start from scratch, I don't really see a path to becoming like a this will probably be like the keyword for me today is is legitimacy i don't really see that path unless they do something drastic so that's i gave them a c plus uh for this season because i do think they kind of outperformed expectations but i'm having i'm going to rank them 12th in this little exercise yeah yeah th- those are all valid reasons there and their their future is is just so um delicate i did not have them i even as my number 12 team. And it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, because you stepped on a lot of the points I would have made when I get there, but it's going to be interesting to see how they handle the free agencies of DeAndre Jordan, Avery Bradley. And if they, yeah, there's, that's the interesting thing about this is like, so we already mentioned that the Grizzlies future could change a lot depending on who they pick in the draft. And, you know, teams like the Clippers, we could have a much different look at them at the end of free agency. Um, so really a lot of this is sort of pending, but I think it's still worth at least going through where we think they are right now. Yeah, it's, and even if they, like from there, even if you decide not to re-sign DeAndre Jordan, which would almost be wild at this point, because then it's like, why didn't you trade him? Um, even Avery Bradley's probably a little bit easier to let go because he was, he was not good this year. Talk you about, almost have to let him go. <laughs> talk about a player I whiffed on. I whiffed on a lot of players, but I can still feel the breeze from that whiff. Um, I uh, I started doing my – I'm going to rank every player who played at least 500 minutes this season um, by the average of their ranks and all the catch-alls. He's going to be like probably in the bottom 20 to 30 players in the NBA. That sounds like a podcast series to me. <laughs> Well, it'll be a fun thing to do during bankruptcy law, too. And hopefully... <laughs> Future hopefully clients my, of Andy's. Hopefully my bankruptcy uh, professor does not listen to this, but... No, hopefully proceed. hopefully they do. Hopefully they do. <laughs> That'll maybe encourage them to teach better. Um, yeah, I have, you know, I'll, I'll add something here or there for them when I tell you where I put them. I don't, don't want to necessarily spoil anything. Um so I'm on number 12, and just to recap, 14 Hornets for me, 13 Grizzlies. I'm, number 12 was the Orlando Magic for me. That's uh, Hey, that's my 12, too. Oh, well, or no, no, that's my, that's my 11. Sorry, go ahead. You got me all excited that we were finally going to be on the same page. <laughs> um, I don't – I mean, I want to see more of the Jonathan Isaac-Aaron Gordon pairing, and maybe this is – if, if that's going to work out, if Isaac's going to remain healthy, they can kind of steer into just this defensive switchy powerhouse because you have Jonathan Simmons on the roster and that contract still looks good. Maybe you could go out and target low-end or you know dice roll free agents like a Jeremy Grant of the Thunder and just build your identity that way. But we're talking about a team that does not have 
cap space this summer unless it's going to get rid of Aaron Gordon. And that's a problem to me because... And even then, it's not a lot of cap space, right? No, we went over this. If they, they can get to more than $50 million in room, but is it worth it to... If this is the path, if it's waving Shelvin Mack and getting rid of Aaron Gordon, it doesn't seem that bad, but you let Aaron Gordon walk for nothing then. And what are yeah. you going to do with that cap space? Trade for more bad contract when you have yeah. Evan Fournier and Diombo? Yeah. Doesn't do much for you these days. Yeah, and so... I I don't I don't know what they're gonna do there. Yes, it's a new regime, so we can maybe throw the draft track record in the post White Howard era out the window. They're gonna need a new coach after firing Frank Vogel. I look at the roster right now and don't know what its identity is supposed to be. And I, here and here's the other thing. And I don't mean Aaron Gordon's already a good NBA player, and I think there's a path to him coming of becoming a very good defender if you play him alongside the right guy and Isaac might be that guy he's not number one option material at the offensive end he's just he's not he he shot under 30 percent on pull-up jumpers this year barely 40 percent on drives it's just what his three point we went we've been over this a lot on the podcast his three point numbers this season yes career high career high volume also inflated by what he shot during their 12 game streak and I think he even missed a couple games in there so those numbers are inflated too and let's just say he pans out that that's their only potential cornerstone at this point potential cornerstone this is not a Devin Booker situation where I think we can all say Booker still not good on defense but he's he's proven us all or at least any of his skeptics wrong on offense. His volume has increased every year, but so is his efficiency. You look at Aaron Gordon, and he hasn't made a a similar leap, nor has he given any assurance that would be comparative to that. And you you just look. I I get that the Magic were injured this season. You you had Terrence Ross missing a lot of times, Nikola Vucevic missing time. Evan Fournier missed some time, but just where, where are you going? Evan Fournier is a, a really good offensive player, probably should be the number three option on a good team. It's it's just tough to really like them in the future, particularly when you're going to have two more years of Bismack Biombo, three more years of Fournier, which is fine in the sense that he can probably be moved, but you're going to get zero value for him um, on return. And so perhaps they'll be able to carve out some substantial room in 2019. They're set up for some good cap space in 2020 but by that point you're you're talking about Gordon going into the second year of his extension and their future is going to be shaped and, and that's the final thing I'll say is going to be shaped a lot by how much he costs if someone comes in with an over-the-top offer but max money because if there's we know free agency is going to be a tough tough cookie to crack this year but he is the guy it seems like that if anyone were to get that max offer sheet shot in the dark it would be him and if they have to match that and are paying him more than 25 million dollars per year on average i just don't, how do you flesh out the rest of this team when you also have four name biombo on the roster both for the next couple years yeah i don't know um another team that seems sort of rudderless at the moment and like i said i have them 11 word um <laughs> I like that. I gave him a C minus uh, on the season, and like I said, that's kind of like the the low bar that I set for today's. I gave them episode. that episode. Well. I didn't say that. Sorry, C minus. I'm you today with the report. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Okay, I'm going to, since I, I don't really think I have anything to add to the magic, so I'm going to jump ahead, and at some point, you, I think you're going to have to catch up to me, because um, I'm already down to number 10, and I picked the Sacramento Kings here, and just as Whoa. sort of a precursor, there's there's like a jumble of teams now that I think you could throw into a hat and pull them out in any order and, and probably be justified in whatever order came out. And like I said, another thing is a lot of this could change in like three months. The Kings have a lottery pick. They were part of this great tank race, but they're kind of in the middle. Um, right now they're currently sitting at seventh. Um, they're actually tied with the bulls for sixth, And I don't know if they've done like coin flips or anything like that yet. Uh, but either way, <clears throat> they may miss out on that prized top three that everybody was gunning for um, this season. And this draft extends a little bit further than three, so they can still get a good player, even if they end up at six or seven. But this is my long-winded set way of saying that I, I don't think the Kings really have a star either. So I, I have sort of different sections of this. There's There's the teams that are truly stuck in limbo, um, towards the end that we've already established. I think young teams that have a star are in a different position than the young teams that don't have a star. And I think the Kings are one of those teams. Um, De'Aaron Fox showed flashes here and there, uh, but I I think that you know the numbers were bad enough, and I know I've said we throw out advanced numbers for rookies, and I, and I still do, but they were bad enough for me to at least be hesitant um you know i don't think he's a sure thing bogdan bogdanovich is is pretty good for a rookie but he's already 25 years old um i believe i better double check that um so i mean those are probably their two best players from this past season buddy healed was good this year but i don't think he really has star potential sorry vivek um he's probably a really good like spot-up shooter on a team that has three guys who are better scorers than him so, you know, that's not the situation that he's in right now. Um, to me, it's it's a lot of interesting young players, uh, a lot of young players who have the potential to be decent, but I just don't know if I see a single star in there. And then plus there's, the there's you know, Sacramento's front office and just the organization generally has been a mess for so long. And until they until they figure that out, I feel like I have to ding them a little bit for that too. Yeah, we're about to be way off. So I, I agree with your points. Um, just did not have them this low on the ranking. So I'm just going to get to my through my 10th spot now to catch up with you. I had the yeah. Detroit Pistons at number 11. There's not a lot to add. Everything you said uh, is spot on. Uh, we also have to – we do have to tack on to your argument. Stanley Johnson's extension eligible. His offensive ceiling is just – it has not – he goes through like – stretches where he looks promising sometimes he shoots better sometimes he looks like a really good playmaker his offensive ceiling is just i it has not been elevated in any meaningful way they have luke Kennard, who is who who was really good you would have rather have seen donovan mitchell on the pistons obviously but we don't know if they would have turned donovan mitchell loose and Kennard's I, a good shooter He's i good. sure wish they would have played Kennard more this season too they needed to yeah absolutely it took them too long for them to give him a consistent role uh, they're not having their pick this year kind of kills them. Their payroll, as you mentioned. The thing for me, though, is they still kind of have the air of mystery working in their favor. Just that, hey, what can we be after a training camp with Blake Griffin, who is still one of the best players in the game? 
and a training camp with Andre Drummond, and then a healthy Reggie Jackson, who he yeah. was he he might be the glue that ties this entire thing together. He's not this spectacular off-ball player, but maybe not having to have Blake Griffin face up so much and create from scratch, that'll be really valuable to them. These three, by the way, only played in four games together for 44 minutes. And the net rating was a plus 13.7, which is great, but you had Jackson dealt with his own ankle injury. He came back, and then Blake Griffin immediately went on the sidelines with his own ankle injury. So I just don't... um, I, I their future does not look too bright, but I had them at number 11 because I still think you can talk yourself into, hey, maybe if things go right, if, if Griffin stays healthy. Then I had the Clippers at number 10. What really is helps them to me are three things. And we talked about their uncertainty with how they're going to approach free agency this summer. They're really not going to have a ton of cap space and unless they get rid of everybody, and that would include some of their guys like Austin Rivers or Wesley Johnson opting out, maybe wave Patrick Beverly, who's on that non-guaranteed deal, which I don't think they should do. For me, they could have a ton of cap space in 2019 if they play the DeAndre Jordan contract situation right this summer. Tobias Harris, I think people forget, is is only 25 at this point, and he, if you want to rebuild, he's going to be some nice trade bait this year on an expiring contract. Uh, or you can keep him because he's more versatile at the four spot than Blake Griffin was by the end of his tenure. The Lou Williams extension, three years, $24 million with that last year non-guaranteed, that's a movable deal. When his trade restriction lifts in August, if you want to move Lou Williams, you can move Lou Williams. So I, that's like, I, it, I don't, I'm not as down on their future then because it seems like they have those tools their pick commitment to the Boston Celtics in 2019, you know, that that's a little bit of a cause for concern. Um, and again, they're not one of the teams with the most elite futures, but I had them at number 10. And just for my letter grades, I gave the Detroit Pistons a D just because there was a, a massive lack of foresight on their part with the Blake Griffin trade. And it looks even worse, by the way, if they get rid of Stan Van Gundy, either as president or as both president and coach, because why would you let him make that trade as we've talked about ad nauseum if you weren't going to keep him around? And for the Clippers, I gave them um, a B- minus at first. I'm giving them a B because no team battled through more roster turnover. And as you said, Doc Rivers' coaching job with some of these two-ray guys, seeing someone like Tyrone Wallace make contributions, they burned through more than 35 starting lineups. They didn't have a single five-man unit that eclipsed 175 minutes of action during the regular mm. season. So... I, good. I think they're what they did this season, even though they missed the playoffs, was pretty good when you look at all the turnover they had to endure. But their future is most definitely shaky. Um, I don't know if I gave a letter grade to the Kings, but I have a C written down here. Um, okay, number nine for me is the Brooklyn Nets, and I'll start with the letter grade this time so I don't forget it. I gave them a C plus. Um, I feel like there were some some high moments and some low moments generally I think this will be the same point that we've or you know I think both of us have made this point at different points um I said the word point a lot there (laughs) what (laughs) what Sean Marks has done uh with that situation that he inherited is just I, I think he's just been an excellent general manager to go from the cupboard being completely bare to getting a couple guys um who you think are now at least solid pieces of your rotation going forward. I'm not 
at the start of this season, I still felt pretty comfortable in saying D'Angelo Russell had the potential to be like a centerpiece type player. Uh, I'm not as confident in that now as I was before the season. I'm not ready to like throw out that possibility. Um, but the deal I still think was a home run for them. They had to take a shot on a guy like that. And, and I think it was sm- a smart thing for them to do. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie was a great find. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, a guy that they drafted, has been pretty good. I, you know, he's not, I don't think he has star potential either, but he's a guy who could be a starter on a really good team. Um, basically, he's cobbled together from just an awful situation, a team that now has a future, um, a team that was, I think, a little bit better than maybe some people expected this season, too. The, the reason I have them ninth, which is still in like the bottom half of these rankings that we're doing, is I, like I said, I am less sure that they have a star now. Um, they took a similar gamble on Jaleel Okafor, and he's, he's obviously not <laughs> a star, and he's not going to be. And now I, I think really the, that all hinges on D'Angelo Russell. Like he is the one guy that has star potential, and I'm just not as sold that it's there um, as I was nine months ago. Would I be shocked if he still turns into a great star-level point guard? Um, no, I, I do still think he has tons of potential. I'm just, it's just a little bit more murky than it was before the year. So I have him ninth, and I gave him a C-plus for this season. We are in lockstep, finally. Ah, I, there we go. I put the Nets at number nine. I gave them a, um, a B-minus for the season because I actually thought – I was a little bit disappointed they didn't get to 30 wins. But uh, I, I think they've done as, everything you said, that the case you laid out, perfect. Russell concerns me too. He ranked in ESPN's defensive real plus-minus 510th out of 520 Ooh. players. Oh, and you have to wonder, can the backcourt combination of him and Spencer Dinwiddie work defensively? We, it can work offensively. We've seen it. And we know that Dinwiddie, he can take the tougher of the backcourt assignments. But when those two shared the floor this year through 39 games in 353 minutes, they had a defensive rating of 118. It might, it might actually be more promising for the Nets to roll with a Levert-Dinwiddie backcourt. Like, oh, I should have mentioned Levert at some point. I, I think he could be pretty good too. Still, not. I'm not sure if he's a star, but yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah, he, he doesn't look like he's going to be a star. Good first step can have can have some range on defense, and he is a better passer than advertised. Jared Allen, spectacular for them too. They have these nice pieces. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, probably never a three point shooter, but he he shot a very high percentage from mid range this year. He was in the 70th percentile of efficiency. I believe, and and that's really going to um, help them if if he can if he has that much of a range. You can also use Ronnie Hollis Jefferson at center in a pinch because he's fine defending power forwards already, and you can even use him as a role man. So that's good. What really where I I start to get down on their future, aside from them not having this year's pick, is what happens now with Dinwiddie, RHJ, and D'Angelo Russell. They're all going to be due for new contracts in 2019. You have to decide who to keep. Can you capitalize on anyone's value on the trade market? Because you're at this weird point. Now you have to start reinvesting in a roster that hasn't won games. And there's the whole Jeremy Lin thing with them too, um, which will be – I mean, I, I don't really think he's a part of their future, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they sort of shuffle the minutes between him, Russell, and Dinwiddie. But he only has season. a year left on his deal, so that's not too big of like yeah. 
Yeah, but no, for sure. This is like an immediate future concern. Um, I have the Grizzlies at eight. I'm interested to hear this one. I, I agree with everything that you said about them. Um, I think maybe I was just very swayed by the fact that they do have basically the number two lottery odds right now. And I think you add Luka Doncic to – and I don't, I don't know how they do this, but maybe you get a motivated Marcus All next season. Although he'll already be in his age thirty four season, so I don't. Even if he's motivated, I don't know how much he has left to give you. And I would like to say that you know Mike Conley will be better when he's healthy, but there's just so many different health things with him now at this point. It's it, we're we're reaching a point where it's like, is he ever going to be like fully healthy again? So. There are huge question marks, and I think you laid them out well. I just think their future can change a lot, and I'm, I'm almost rewarding them for steering so hard into the tank. Um, basically shutting Mike Conley down after that early season injury, shutting Tyreek Evans down more than once. I mean, they gave him a chance to come back and be a part of the tank, but he was too good, Dan. Um, so they <laughs> sent him home again. <laughs> I was just... I'm just going to say it. I'm rewarding them for being so <laughs> big on the tank. And I think it got them almost into the position. I, I'm sure they would have rather had the best lottery odds, but they have a shot now at a, a very good shot at a top three pick in a draft that's loaded. And if Phoenix, I, I think Luka Doncic is the perfect one for Memphis. Um, if Phoenix takes Aiton because they think, well, we already have a great wing in, in Devin Booker, then Memphis is in, Great, great position. Um, I think if you have one foundational player, you have at least some hope for the future. And they don't they don't have this guy yet, but they have a chance to get him in the draft. And so that's why I sort of bumped them further up the rankings than maybe you expected. I gave them a C- minus for the season, though. Because um, <laughs> I, I really am rewarding the tank. Because if they hadn't... If, if they weren't in that position because of the tank, I, I could have given them an F because of the, the David Fisdale stuff. And there was just Marcus Gasol was a mess all season long. There was this particular season. Um, if you take tanking out of the equation, they were um, not a passing team. But like I said a couple of times, then kudos for, for actually going all in on this tank. Um. So, I I'm still shocked that you had them there. It's I guess it's fine that they went all in on that tank. I I, I agree with you on that for sure. Um, I I just the future is tough for me to. And with their pick, I'm assuming they're going to keep whoever it is. Otherwise, why would they lean into the tank so hard? But you can't rule out that do they talk themselves into moving on from it. Uh, eight seems high, but I I totally get where you're coming from. Having the top having a top two pick, top three pick is huge in this draft. My number eight team was the Sacramento Kings, who I'm about to defend for maybe the first time ever. They so have, we weren't that far apart. You made it sound like you had the Kings up just, near the top. All right, that's fair. But um, <laughs> I, I'm just I, – they have a bunch of interesting players. One of Scalabissie and Willie Cauley-Stein could pan out, and it, it's going to be interesting to see which. Uh, Buddy Heald, you were kind of talking about what his role on, on the team – really should be and he 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 is just this he could end up being this just phenomenal catch and shoot three-point specialist and I think that's fine you don't look back and say well that's a good centerpiece for the DeMarcus Cousins trade but 
Um, of the 151 players to jack up at least 150 catch-and-shoot threes this year, Buddy Heald led the league in effective field goal percentage. Or uh, let's uh, excuse me, and he was on, on, he was near the top all season. Too. Yeah, and so he shot 49.6%, which led the league from three, and he also had the highest effective field goal percentage um, among guys who shot at least 150 catch and shoot threes as well. So that put him ahead of guys like Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Joe Ingles, JJ Redick to round out that top five. I'm probably a little bit higher than De'Aaron Fox than you. He had a higher true shooting percentage this year than Lonzo Ball, Dennis Smith Jr. Frank Nielakina. He That's had, a pretty low bar, though. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if we're going to be high on everyone else's future, then... Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing for me was he, in in the clutch, he shot 44%. His true shooting and effective field goal percentages were crap because he didn't shoot well from the free throw line or from deep. Uh, his usage, though, was the fourth highest in crunch time among all rookies, and it was really third because Andre Ingram is second, and he's played in one crunch time game with the Lakers. So he's third there, and his turnover rate was below 10. So even if he's not necessarily hitting shots, he kind of knows how to protect the ball. Um, I, I can respect that, and I can see it. It looks like his finishing at the rim will continue to improve. The other thing I found interesting, he shot 31% on pull-up threes. That is also higher than... Markel Fultz, who I don't even know if he attempted a pull of three, but it's higher than him. Lonzo Ball, Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nielakina. So he might, he's already in many ways the most efficient of the rookie point guard bunch that we talked about coming in. So I think we have to be high in his future. We talked about Bogdanovich. Yes, he's older, but he's polished on the offensive end. Um, I, I think that really matters for them. I'm not ready to give up on Justin Jackson. I love Frank Mason the third. I'm interested to see what Harry Giles becomes. Jakar Sampson looked okay for them in little limited run. I'm mad, and this is where I'm going to tie in their grade. Um, for the season, I gave them a C- minus because they just they needed to steer into the tank sooner. And if you went through the hoops of giving up on Malachi Richardson, giving up on Papa Giannis, why didn't you play Bruno Cabacolo more down the stretch? Uh, just things like that bothered me, and it was clear that they were tanking, and yet they still didn't end up with a bottom five record when most people thought that they were going to have the worst record in the league. Knowing your 2019 pick is gone, I penalized them for that and did that this season as well because they could have tanked harder. And then, of course, and I have to say this, it sounds shitty, but it's the king. So so can you trust them? I wanted to put them actually higher than eighth because I liked De'Aaron Fox more than I thought I did, like Bogdanovich. Again, you know how I felt about Frank Mason all year, and I will cape for Justin Jackson just a little bit longer, but but it is the Kings. Yeah, and I had to throw that caveat on mine too. You, you never know what will happen with that front office. Um, I have the Bulls at number seven. and Can I ask you really even, quick who you have at number six? Yeah, the Hawks. All right, so never mind. I was gonna. I thought maybe we just have inverse. I'm sorry. Continue on Chicago. Um, actually, as I'm looking at it, and I was about to say this, I feel like I could maybe flip flop the Bulls and Hawks, but I'm not. Um, I actually have the Knicks at seven, and then the Bulls at six. So I was curious. I'm gonna have you. the Knicks quite a bit higher than you. Then. Oh, this um, is gonna be fun. All right, sorry. Continue. <laughs> All right, I have Bulls as a C minus. Um, I have a lot of the same feelings about them as I have about the Kings and a couple other teams that we've talked about. They have a lot of interesting young players, but I'm just not sure how many of them have legitimate star potential. 
Um, I think Chris Dunn could be a solid role player for a bunch of different teams. Um, Bobby Portis could be an interesting role player. Zach Levine is still on the 24, but he's coming off the ACL and he didn't, you know, efficiency wise, it was not a good season for him. Um, they have a bunch of these kind of guys uh, who, if they all hit, you have a you have a decent sort of middle of the road team, but they also have Laurie Markkinen, um, who I do think has a chance to be really good, a seven footer who can hit threes the way that he can, and I think he showed a little bit more toughness than a lot of people expected. Um, his his rebounding was better than I anticipated. Uh, he he still has a lot of work to go on the defensive end. Like he's certainly not the kind of shot blocker that Kristaps Porzingis was when he first came into the league. So in, in whether or not that's something he can add is, is certainly uh, up for debate, but they have somebody who I think can be sort of a foundational offensive piece. And so that's why they were bumped up the rankings a little bit more for me than some of those other teams that, that have sort of um, mysterious talent. So I, I have them seventh and I gave them a C minus uh, for this season. So I have the Knicks at number seven and then the Bulls at six. So I'm going to just talk about them both really quick here since you've touched on okay. mostly with the Bulls. The Knicks I would have had higher if Kristaps Porzingis never suffered the torn left ACL. It's just really yeah. that simple for me. You fire Jeff Hornacek. Maybe that's the good move. They're saying all the right things again, that they want to wait till 2019 free agency and that they're preserving flexibility, that they're prioritizing development. We've heard this shtick before and nothing's ever come of it. It'll everything they can. I will say they can shoot up this list. One, of course, if Przingis comes back next year and is is just is fine, and maybe they play him more at the five. And two, what happens over the summer? Are you going to resist the urge to use the stretch stretch provision on Joakim Noah's contracts that you're not paying him seven plus million dollars a year in dead money for a half decade? If Ennis Cantor opts out, can you resist the urge to resign him so you're not moving forward with an imperfect front court duo because you need to have more minutes available for Kristaps? Porzingis at center. What do you see Frank Nielakina as? Are you really higher on Trey Burke as a point guard long term or Emmanuel Moutier than Nielakina? Uh, and I think Nielakina, I I like Nielakina a lot. I think he's he's a fantastic defender, fantastic far. But he was one of the best pick and roll defenders in the league. He can he's fine in ISO when when the guys are when guys are going to go at him. Even some of the bigger wings. He even defended in the post some, and he held his own there. And what he does on offense, even when the shooting percentages aren't there, he still looks smooth when he's not hesitating. When he's dribbling, um, when he's putting up a floater, even when he's shooting from three, his stroke could be a little, could take a little long, be elongated. It just looks fluid. And he was a rookie. He, it was a teenage season for him, effectively. So I have extremely high hopes for him. I just don't. I'm at the point where I might trust the Kings more than the Knicks at this point. Yes, they have their own draft pick all their own draft picks, which I think really helps them in this scenario. But we have to see how they're going to treat this offseason before I put them higher. The The only thing I really just have to add on the Bulls, who I put at number six, I, I think Denzel Valentine, Cameron Payne, Bobby Portis, they, they got some just random nice performances from these guys this year. And, and that's a nice base to lay. What really, I almost wanted to put them higher, but one, Chris Dunn's efficiency plummeted as the year went on, so that whole, oh, is he like a better offensive player than we thought? Yes, he might be. I don't think he's ever, when you're looking at someone who can run an offense, I don't think he's ever going to cross the Marcus Smart threshold. You'll want him on the floor as a defensive specialist to defend up on some bigger guys. Uh, Bobby Portis' future will be interesting. He is, 
shooting 42.5% on long twos between 16 feet and three-point range for his career. That, that's a good um, that's a good omen for me. He, he shot almost 36% from three this year, and he also shot 54.1% between 10 and 16 feet. There's something there offensively. Can he play the five on defense long-term? Marketing's already good. You said it. They have a lot of interesting pieces. The last thing I penalized them for, maybe the last two things since they're related— What's the Zach Levine contract? I'm probably going to hate because they're going to feel like they need to justify the Jimmy Butler trade. And I don't know how you trust Gar Packs with much of anything um, leading <laughs> into the future. And they have the same question as the Knicks, too. Are they going to try and expedite this process? They shouldn't, um, but will they? Will that urge be there, particularly if you end up paying Zach Levine? Yeah, um, big questions for sure. I, like I said, I have the Hawks sixth. I gave them a C. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. I gave the Knicks a D, and I, I gave the Bulls a C-. minus. I think the reason I have the Hawks ahead of the Bulls, I I do feel like Laurie Markkinen has some star potential. Um, I think John Collins does too. I'm not really like, – like I'm trying to figure this out in my head right now. I'm not sure which one I would say has the – higher ceiling off the top of my head. I think I'm still going to say Collins uh, just because um, he can do some things athletically that, that marketing can't. And even though Dennis Schroeder is, he had some major issues efficiency wise, he's still only 24 and he averaged 19 and six. Um, you know, maybe there's still a chance that he can figure it out on defense and, and be a good player. You've been on the Torian Prince oh, bandwagon have, have all season. Oh, I Prince. <laughs> And he was he was particularly fantastic in the second half of the year. He had a, he had a bunch of huge scoring games. Um, he showed some playmaking chops here and there. He's a much different player than I expected him to be when he first came out of uh, the draft. So um, you know, Kent Bazemore is an interesting player, but he's already 28. I'm not sure how much of a part of the future he'll be. But they do have, to me, they have. One potential star in Collins and maybe like, I don't know if I can go there with Schroeder, uh, but maybe close to a potential sh- star there. And then somebody who's... No, no, you don't need to go there. It's fine. <laughs> You're among friends here. He is not going to be a star. <laughs> um, and Torian Prince, who's, I don't know if he's a star either, but that's a guy who is, he clearly belongs in the league and probably belongs in a lot of starting lineups at his peak. So they have some very interesting players there and they are... Um, they finished fourth in the lottery odds, and they're actually tied with Dallas. So they have a shot to add another really good player to this mix too, and I think that bumps their future up a little bit as well. So I had at number – I'm on my number five team. I had the Atlanta Hawks there. Um, I probably could have gotten them to four. They, I'm, I'm higher on John Collins than I was initially. I know we've – I've been I've been driving the Torian Prince bandwagon sometimes at his expense. I'm just high on Torian Prince. He turned the ball over basically a jillion percent of the time on his pick and rolls. But the <laughs> fact that he can run pick and rolls or try and orchestrate them to me, that that's going to end up being a big deal. His last 16 games of the season, Andy, Torian Prince averaged 20.9 points, 4.9 rebounds, 4.1 assists, 1.1 steals and slashed 45.9, 39.4, 90.7. I never saw that player coming. He's not going to be – he probably won't be a star either. I would say John Collins has a better chance of becoming a star. And side note on John Collins, 
shooting better than 36% on corner threes this year, and he already has the straight line, slightly angled handles that would have made Serge Ibaka probably an MVP candidate half a decade ago, or certainly an all-NBA candidate. Uh, So his future looks like it's going to be bright. I'm very interested to see more of DeAndre Bembry. He only appeared in 26 games this year after appearing in 38 games as a rookie. Uh, he did shoot 36.7% on three-pointers this year on 2.4 attempts per 36 minutes. That's something to monitor. He turned the ball over 37% of the time almost out of the pick and roll, which is an absurd number. But he he's another guy who I'm interested to see how they develop as a ball handler. And he can be a good defender. I don't know that he's ever going to defend the, the bigger wings, which is why I think it would be important for them to pair someone either – at center, who who can play next to Torian Prince at the four for those moments when John Collins might be on the bench, or they just need another wing who can trade off the the bigger assignments with Prince. But he's going to be able to switch on to some point guards, and, and if he stays healthy, I'm interested to see where he goes. The thing I have to add about their future, total of five first-round picks over the next two drafts, 2018-2019, including their own. They're going to have cap space. Uh, they're just they're in a good situation. I don't know how much that cap space means in Atlanta, but they're going to find these diamonds in the rough. I mean, getting Dwayne Dedman to shoot threes to where you're in this big man saturated market and he might opt out of his contract anyway because a team could theoretically pay him more. That's kind of a testament to their player development. I penalized them on their regular season grade and I gave them a C. It took them too long to unleash John Collins. It took them too long Agreed. to really give yeah. Dorian Prince the green light. So that's really hurt me. And their bigger question is, our coach Bud in the front office on the same page moving forward because he isn't since he was basically the front office before uh, he's not their coach. They, they inherited him. Th- those are my questions with them, but I think a top five future is pretty damn good. All right. I have the Mavericks number five. Um, I have them at four. So you should just speak on, on, on both of our behalfs here. I think so. When I look at their roster, there's not, um, there's not a ton that really jumps off the page here either. I think they're in a similar situation to some of the other teams that I've talked about today. I Dennis Smith showed some things toward the end of the season. Um, I don't know if you have like his last month or so pulled up, but he was he was pretty good down the stretch. Um, you know they'll be able to get out from under the West Matthews contract soon. I I'm still not like. I don't think Harrison Barnes can be a star. He's already 25, but I also am not like he's trash part of uh, the NBA Twitter sphere, whatever that um, I still think he can be good is, is what I'm trying to say. I think the main reason I have them higher is I just trust their organization, which sounds kind of weird to say, given some of the stuff that's come out about that organization. <laughs> This season, but you basketball trust their coaching wise, staff is probably yeah. That, that's a better way to say it. Basketball wise, um, they've just been so solid for so long, and maybe maybe Dirk Nowitzki deserves the bulk of the credit for that. Finding you know one of the I don't know twenty best players of all time that that'll certainly help your organization. Um, and he'll be gone soon, so they they have a lot of questions to answer pretty soon. And I don't think Dennis Smith is ready to fill those shoes, but what if they do add Luka Doncic to to this group that they have? Um, and their lottery odds are, like I said, they're tied with the Hawks um, for the the third best odds. If they add him and suddenly your core is Dennis Smith, Luka Doncic, Harrison Barnes, or even Dennis Smith, Harrison Barnes, DeAndre Ayton, 
Um, there's a, there's a lot of interesting guys you can add to this bunch. And like you said, I really do trust Rick Carlisle. I feel like you could, I mean, look at what he's done for JJ Barea <laughs> toward the end of his career. I mean, he's, he is an incredible coach and he finds a way to get whatever five guys he has on the floor to be competitive. So, um, I have them fifth and it's, it's as much to do with Carlisle's as it has to do with their roster. And I gave them a C for the season. I gave them for the for my season grades, and I, I have them at number four, a, a B minus, just because their defense was a lot better than expected. And to your Carlisle point, like he played when Devin Harris was there. Devin Harris played almost seven hundred and sixty possessions at small forward, so almost half his minutes. Yeah. Who would have thought to have done that? That was per cleaning the glass. Dennis Smith Jr. was better towards the end of the year. Uh, over his last fifteen games, he averaged seventeen point one points. 6.5 assists, 1.1 steals, shot 33.8% from three on 4.7 attempts. Uh, that's fairly encouraging, and he was under 42% overall shooting-wise. The offensive fit between him and Harrison Barnes, I I don't think it's not good. It, because your Barnes can be an, a fine off-ball player, but he's used to operating with the ball in his hands since he came to Dallas. And the Mavericks posted a 101 101.1 offensive rating when those two shared the floor this year. That should improve as Dennis Smith Jr. gets better, but suddenly Barnes's fit is weird on the Mavericks because he's, I don't think he's going to be able to assimilate the way that basically Dirk Nowitzki has. Um, the Mavericks, Do you know how much he played at small forward as opposed to power forward? I should look that up. He, I think he was still very clearly a power forward this year with his yeah, with that's good. Dis- distribution. But, uh, and that helps because they know how to play Dirk Nowitzki at the five, who, FYI, I never want to retire. They have some nice yeah. flyers on this team. Dwight Powell had one of the most underrated seasons in the league. Dorian Finney-Smith, if he can stay healthy, he's kind of this nice defensive find. Doug McDermott shot over 50% from three after being traded there. Um, Yogi Ferrell, that's kind of a nice flyer. I'm not ready to give up on Seth Curry, early bird free agent. He is 27, but, you know, what if you re-sign him for, on the cheap and now you get to run... You know, maybe he takes on kind of the Devin Harris role or you start playing Smith, Dennis Smith and Seth Curry and J.J. Barrera together, and that's your new souped-up, tiny, pocket-sized lineup. Uh, Maxi Kleber had, had good minutes this year for them. They, they do need to find what's going on at the center position. So that, I, you have to figure, because you have Dirk Nowitzki who can log time at the five, but Nerlens Noel, that situation doesn't pan out. You do want DeAndre to... Ayton. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to draft him and the center market... For free agency this year, given the DeMarcus Cousins injury, that's it's not one you want to invest a crap ton of money in. Uh, but I, I trust their coaching staff, and when you, they have again, they have nice flyers on this roster. Dennis Smith Jr. still retains his star ceiling. Um, they should, and they're going to have they have a clear pathway to more than twenty million dollars in cap space this year if the if the right opportunity presents itself. All right, my number four team is the New York Knicks, and remind me where you had them. You had like seven or something. Yeah, I had them at number seven. Okay, so wow, I'm higher on the Knicks. Maybe maybe that's not surprising. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my thing with them, um, probably more than any of the teams behind them. I'm I'm doing like a quick scan. Kristaps I, I, Porzingis is more of a surefire thing uh, to me than than any player on any of the teams behind the Knicks and I'm, I'm double checking again. Uh, even with the ACL surgery, I'm still extremely high on his future. Um, generally speaking, ACLs aren't like a death knell to your career. Uh, these days they've, they've gotten so good. 
at that surgery. I think there's every reason to believe if the Knicks are caution, cautious and if Porzingis is cautious and he does all the work that he's supposed to do, and, and I'm sure he will do while he's out, he can come back every bit as, as strong as he was before the injury. And a seven foot three player that can do the things uh, that he can do, that is a franchise cornerstone. And that's not something that you can say uh, for all of these lottery team so that is the general sort of reason that I have them so high up the board this season alone I gave them a c minus and we've talked about their issues uh basically all season on the podcast so I'm not sure we need to rehash them now but I gave them a c minus there but I I am a lot higher on their future just because they have Porzingis and like you said Nilakina showed some signs this season and so if, if that's your two guys that you're moving forward with, I, I think you could do a lot worse. Um, their tanking position <laughs> is ninth. So, I mean, this is a deep draft. They can still get a good player there. They're, they're less likely to get one of the stars. Spectacular there. That, that would be a great fit. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very in on that idea. But like I said a couple of times, mostly they're ranking for me, getting all the way to fourth. Uh, I, I just trust that Porzingis is going to be very, very good for a long time. He, I just I'm surprised you feel that way with the ACL stuff. I know they're not the death knells they used to be, but he's had and Jared Dubin of um, the Step Back pointed this out a while ago. He's had just so many problems with the left side of his body, and I, how is he going to respond to that post recovery? the The thing I am interested in seeing, I I do honestly think that the Porzingis Nielakina defensive pairing could be one of the best big guard defensive marriages in the league. In the three sixty six minutes they spent together on the court this year Knicks had a 96 defensive rating the offense was under Jeez. 103 but 96 defensive rating is nuts that's better than the jazz that's amazing yeah. yeah so um i get where you're coming from if if porzingis never and i'll say this again never injured his acl and if the knicks weren't the knicks i easily could have slotted them in the top three but he did injure his acl and they are the knicks if the knicks aren't the knicks i think that's a good way to summarize them and as it turns out that was all the teams we were able to cover for this particular episode uh, due to a scheduling conflict that yours truly had Uh, but have no fear Lakers Suns and Nuggets fans we will come back um, to grade the seasons of those three teams and talk about their futures as well Um, obviously they came out as our each of our top threes uh, for teams that have the brightest futures so At least you have that to look forward to. Again, we'll cover them in a later episode. Until next time, you can follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Favalli, D-A-N-F-A-V-A-L-E. I don't usually spell the first name, but it just happened. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. As always, uh, you can visit the nbamath.com shop, uh, nbamath.com slash shop. And if you enter the promo code Benno, B-E-N-O, you get 15% off any of those cool t-shirts that are sold at the NBA Math Shop. Uh, as always, leave a rating, review, uh, tell your friends to subscribe to the show, tell your family to describe, subscribe. Coerce uh, any and all acquaintances you know into subscribing because they will thank you for it eventually. And until next time, I leave you with the shout out to Ben Udry.